Well, good morning. We're very happy you were able to tune in this morning. This is 89.1 FM radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio, WNZN. And then if you can't pick it up or there's not uh, a good volume, you can go to your computer or laptop and you go www.wnzn.com, www.wnzn.com. And, uh, that's the way you can pick it up, especially if you go out of range. But we are out of Lorain, Ohio. We thank you once again for tuning in. I'm here with my good friend and assistant, David Abu. David, how are you? Hey, John. Great to be here with you today. Beautiful day. Yeah, it's just it? gorgeous. It's like early autumn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. beautiful. A lot going on in the world, but that, nothing has harmed nature. It's still beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> but we are grateful, you know, that we can gather together. We mm -hmm. can look at God's word. Everything around us might be changing. Sometimes it does seem like things are rather chaotic now, but God's word never changes. That's why Jesus says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will endure forever. That kind of permanency, that kind of idea of stability that generations 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, way back when this letter was sent to the seven churches, yeah. It, it's the same. It just doesn't change. You know, that's the, that we we can actually be grounded in the Word of God when everything else is rather chaotic. Yeah. It's one of the only things you can trust fully, and uh, you know, and it, we'll even see in uh, Philadelphia today how Jesus goes about suggesting that to the masses there right. about how the fact that you can trust Him, His Word is solid. And he does not change. Exactly yeah. right, David. So we continue our study in the book of Revelation. And again, Revelation chapter 1, it's a revelation singular of Jesus Christ. Some people will say revelations, but it's revelation singular. And that's the key to the book. No matter what we read in here, it's uh, bottom line, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. And it opens in chapter 1. He's in full radiant glory, the glorified Lord in the heavens. And when John sees him in chapter 1, uh, John was probably the closest apostle to Jesus. Uh, he's noted as the beloved apostle. But there he's come undone. You know, it's just so radiant, the power and the glory of the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> That's his glorified state. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is John, who has now been exiled to a prison island called Patmos, which is west of present-day Turkey. Back then it was Asia or Asia Minor. Mm -hmm. He receives this revelation, okay? And the revelation essentially is letters dictated by Jesus to these seven churches. These are local churches on the western part of, again, present-day Turkey. And then after that, as you go further along in the, in the book of Revelation, he receives these other revelations and visits to heaven and all this kind of... But what we've been focusing on the last couple of weeks are these seven churches. Now, a couple things are important for this. This isn't John writing to these churches. It's not Paul. It's, it's Jesus. That's, that's important. And number two, before we start the entire prog process of studying the book of Revelation, you know, judgments and the new heaven and new earth and the resurrection and all that, he starts with local churches. Now, that tells us something, that the local church is very important to Jesus. Okay, and this is a big issue today mm -hmm. when so many believers, Christians, do not see the necessity to obey Jesus Christ and be part of a committed community of believers right. under pastoral <clears throat> care. Big church, little church, that's not the main issue, but we have to, just like, it really takes a family to raise a child to adulthood, ideally. 
so too it really re requires a healthy church to raise a Christian to be a disciple. You see, mm -hmm. you can't do it on our own. We really can't do it. And so <clears throat> we're going to look at particularly today at the church, the letter to the Church of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. It's the sixth church of the seven. After this will come the last one, which is Laodicea. But there's quite a few verses here compared to the other churches when you come to this uh, message to Philadelphia, this letter from the Lord. And you can read it if you want, David. Sure. Verse uh, 7, maybe. Let's do 7 through 8, just to sure. start. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Okay, so it starts out, uh, again, It's John is writing this to the angel of the church. Now, the angel here could, we, we talked about this before, it could be um, a pastor, a leader of the church there. Mm -hmm. It could be an angel, but it, it's, it's difficult in a sense. How do you write something to an angel to the church? But it could be an angel that's over oversight of the church here in Philadelphia. And from this point on, every time angel is referenced in the book of Revelation, it is literally a spiritual being. But we're not making that case here. Could no, be, but yeah. we, it, we suggest that here it's a pastor. He says, write these things. He who is holy... And true. Now that that's a that's a title of Jesus, of course. He who is holy, and is true. Only only God is truly holy. Yeah. Or holy, holy, if I could say that. And of course, this is ascribed to Jesus. He's actually called the Holy One of Israel. You'll see this called uh, several times in the in the scriptures and even uh, in Acts of the Apostles. That title will be used of the Lord uh, when Peter in his sermon. Uh, will say um, the God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus. Uh, and he says, but you denied the Holy One and the Just One and you asked for a murderer to be granted in, in substitution for him. Talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. But the title Holy One is very important. So he's called the Holy One and he's called Holy and True. Uh, who is true here in uh, Re uh, Revelation 7, verse 1. Many prophets, many leaders, many founders of religions and, and, and uh, all through the centuries have, you know, said what they're going to say, but Jesus is holy and true. That's what he said is true, who he is. That's why even in his title, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, mm -hmm. I am the life. Right. So that these titles are extremely important. Then he makes this statement. He who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. What he's doing here, he's actually pulling from, a, 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 from the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22, a prophecy about the coming Messiah, which says in verse 22, Isaiah 22, 22, it says, the key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder, and he shall open and no one shall shut, and he shall shut and no one shall open. I will fasten him as a pagan and secure place, and he will become the glorious throne to his father's house. 
In other words, this can't be David because when Isaiah was written, that's like 400 years after David lived and died. But they knew that there was this coming one who was going to be the son of David. You know, that Jesus had to come, Messiah had to come right. from the line of David, which was Judah tribe, which the kingly line. Right. And now we're seeing our Lord is using this title for himself here. He who has the key, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. And of course, Jesus is the one that opens the door for salvation. Jesus says, I am the door. But now he's saying he's got the key. Later on, we'll even see he's got the keys to, to, to death in Hades. Uh, so, I mean, that that's just who he is, okay? Mm -hmm. um, he, he has got the keys. He says this in chapter 1, um, verse 1. He says, in verse 18, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of Hades and death. He, he means you've got victory over You can open it. And this, this is really important when you consider doors yeah, in the New Testament. A door often means opportunity or places where um, Scripture can be shared. You know, Paul yeah. says, pray for me that God will open up a door that I can go share the gospel. Again, it says in Corinthians um, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he will say, A great and effectual door has been opened to me, but there are many obstacles. So um, I think I, I really like that, that uh, this idea that God opens doors to share the gospel. Yeah, and he and shuts he's doors. Also, and he's in control of who can enter. Uh -huh. uh, that, that's why he has a reference to the key of David, right, John? Right. So uh, I, think, I think that's very important, too. So he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, For a great and effective door mm -hmm. has been opened to me, and there is many adversaries or obstacles. But nevertheless, who opens the door? Well, that's the Lord that opens these doors of opportunity. And yeah. so here we see that here. That's his introduction. Usually he introduces each letter with a title of himself, something about himself. Then he says back to Revelation chapter 3, verse 8, I know your works... See, I have set before you an open door. There's that open door again. Yeah. And no one can shut it. For you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Now, first thing we know here, Jesus knows their works. He knows our works. He knows everything about us. I mean, you know, he knows works suggest what they're doing. Their heart, their motives suggest the inward, you know, their inward life motivation. But he says... I know your works, and see, I've set before you an open door. So they probably had a door to share the gospel, right. what's implied here. Uh, and no one can shut it. Mm -hmm. I've opened it for you, and now you're using it, but you have just a little strength. So the key with a door, especially the key to the door, the door can, a big door can swing on small hinges, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it can open to a big room of opportunity. Have You, mm -hmm. you might have even seen this in business or something. Oh, yeah. You just... If you get the right key and you go into that door, once it might not take much pressure to open that door, but once you go in that door, maybe there might be a room filled of opportunities. Mm -hmm. And our Lord's saying, you don't have much strength, but I opened a door for you. Yes. And this is often how revivals come. You think, oh man, what, like in, in America today or even Northeast Ohio, could God open a door that there could be a great awakening here or a revival here? 
the, the other interpretation I was getting, Janet, is that he's saying there's a clear entrance into heaven, that mm-hmm. he's opened the door to salvation and that we have a clear entrance into the kingdom and nobody can stop us from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it also seems like he's also saying, yeah, you, you have the opportunity with my strength to do service and ministry in my name. Go do it. Mm-hmm. Go do it. I'm giving you the opportunity to do that, and this is what you're going to get. Yeah, you're, you're going to get a right. clear path to the kingdom that nobody can t- can stop from uh, you receiving. But, but I, I don't know. No, That's you're a, right, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Jesus opened the door both in heaven yeah. and on earth. Mm-hmm. That's why it'll say in Hebrews, uh, we can go into the very presence of God because mm-hmm. he's opened up a new and living way. Mm-hmm. He is the door, but he's opened that up. But he's also opened up doors here on earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, for these opportunities to share the gospel. That's why Paul says, pray for me that God may open up a door. Right. You know, he actually prays that God would open yeah. this door. Church of Philadelphia, the, Philadelphia is an interesting city to begin with. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, maybe you have a couple points you I want do. to bring out there. Yeah, sure. So it, it's, uh, it was located on a hillside about 30 miles southeast of Sardis, and it was uh, founded by the king of Pergamum around 190 B.C., it looks like the town received its name from his nickname, Philadelphus, or Brother Love. Uh, I know it was also um, a wine-producing area, a big wine-producing area, and was the so-called gateway to Central Asia Minor. Um, but the other thing uh, that was important is this city, John, was on a fault line. Oh. So geographically, um, it had a lot of earthquakes, and uh, it had a huge one in 17 A.D. That, that destroyed most of Sardis and two other cities around there. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's important for some of the stuff Jesus says later. But, but anyway. So, that's a good point. Yeah. It was a very commercial mm-hmm. city. It was known as the Little Athens because of the temples and everything they had there yeah. back at the time. And um, it's, it's, it's one of these strategic cities that are located in these seven churches, but... You can just imagine, I mean, what the church was living in, that particular oh, yeah. culture back then. Yeah. But even though they don't seem like they have a lot of strength, Jesus commends them. He says, you have a little strength, back to verse 8 here. But this is critical. You've kept my word, and you not deny my name. So why is John even exiled to the island of Patmos? He says in verse chapter 1, verse 9, I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. This will be a big thing going through Revelation and the churches in particular, that they keep the word of God. Now, Mm -hmm. remember, the first thing Satan says in the Bible to Eve in the garden is what? Did God really, really say, say this? Yeah, See, so. the attack is on the Word of God. Mm-hmm. It's happening today. Mm-hmm. You know, from the outside world and culture, mm-hmm. denying the Word of God. Do you really believe the Bible's true? Do you mm-hmm. think there's a God that created all this? Do you think Jesus, yeah. you know, he came into the world and he died on the cross and he rose from the grave? Do you believe after we die there's a judgment? All of these things are, are mocked and, and, and ridiculed and dismissed and denied. But now it's even in the churches that they're not holding. This little church here, I don't know how big it was, even though they had a little strength, the one thing they did do is they held on to the Word of God. That's really commendable. They held on to the Word of God, and they've not denied Jesus' name. 
And what this means is they kept their testimony. And this may cost their lives. Because to keep his name means, Jesus says, if you'll confess me before men, I will confess you before my heavenly Father and the holy angels. If you deny me, I will deny you. So it's, it's a very important thing that we hold fast to our testimony that we believe in Jesus Christ. People are being killed today yes. because they profess Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, John, isn't it too that, you know, Jesus gives a couple uh, potential obstacles for the church. One is the powerlessness. Mm. They have little power. And then he talks about the obstacle of persecution. But because you have little power, I mean, for me, that's a take-home message for me that, you know, I can't do anything mm -hmm. in his name without him without the Holy Spirit, even us being together on this show and doing what we've done the last three years without him and the Holy Spirit, it never would have happened. Yeah, right. Because we are unlikely people to be together mm -hmm. from, you know, just the way I was in the past. And so um, I, I think that's very important that he's telling them, you need me and I will give you the strength that you need. We were talking uh, before the show just about the people he picked, the 12 disciples, and, and how he turned all them into MVPs. Yeah. Because they had little strength. Yeah. They were fishermen. Uh, and, and look what they did to, right. to change the world yeah. in his name. So anyway, it, it, that's that, that's one of the other things I think that's important here. It's a, right. pep, it's a pep talk. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. Let's when they go. have a little yeah. strength, um, as long as they'll keep his word, yeah. and don't deny his name, that little strength can be magnified. Right. You know, the, the boy had, what, two fishes and five loaves. Yeah. That was compared to 5,000 people, but right. he had a little bit to give to the Lord, and it could be magnified. You know? Yeah. If we can get, I mean, the, the woman comes in with a little perfume bottle and anoints Jesus' feet, and Jesus <laughs> says, wherever this gospel is preached, it'll be, they'll remember what she did here this day. Yeah. Just a little perfume bottle. So God can take little things and make them big things for his glory. Right. I think that's important. Even when we don't, we might feel weak as these church may have, Jesus says you're weak, you know, but he says, they're actually pretty strong, you know, in a sense. Yeah, and, you know, he really gives a great pep talk about talking about the, you know, eternal uh, path that, you know, that we're going to be on if we follow him. It's kind of like a carpe diem sees yeah. the day. Remember the Dead Poets Society oh, yeah, with sure. Robin Williams? Yeah. And how he got those kids to really pursue their dreams, and he turned them around from, you know, he invigorated them. Yeah. And they was, you know, it was an interesting movie, but I... I'm just saying that's kind of what Christ is doing here is seize the day. Exactly right. Well, what are you waiting for? Yeah, he's yeah. definitely encouraging. Right. And then he says, um, Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but uh -huh. lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Um, now, this is interesting uh, because yeah. he's, he, he references Satan I think three times in these seven letters to the churches, in one capacity or another, talks about the throne of Satan, and Satan has harassed the church, one of the churches. But here he's saying, those are the synagogue of Satan. Well, what's happening here maybe is um, they're enemies of the church. Okay, they could be uh, Jewish, but they, they are attacking the church. Think of St. Paul, before he was Paul, was mm -hmm. Saul, but he was attacking the church. He was going after. He was but killing. Isn't so, he saying that, that these Jews, they might not be Jews? They're lying? You know, well, they're not true believers. Okay. Yeah. That's why Jesus will say in this, talking to Jewish leadership in John chapter 8, he says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and did not stand the truth because there is no truth in him. 
When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Uh, in other words, he's, he's saying this to Jewish spiritual leaders. He says, you're of your father, the devil. A, you don't know the truth. And two, you're, you're, you're attacking me. You want to kill me. The, you know, mm -hmm. Which suggests yeah. Yeah, that the enemy, the devil was a liar from the beginning, mm -hmm. and he's a murderer. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. John the Baptist will call them um, brood of vipers in, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 7. Yeah. Um, Paul, of course, uh, we see that he, he, he was being used of the enemy to persecute the church. And then when he's, our Lord gets a hold of him on the road to Damascus, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul, Jesus has long since ascended to heaven, but he says to Saul, why are you persecuting? He was persecuting the church, but yeah. Jesus so identified with the church. And of course, you know, then Saul will become the great apostle Paul. But who is a true Jew? I mean, in a sense, if you look at Romans chapter 2, uh, Romans chapter 2, and verse 29, um, Romans chapter 2, verse 29. I don't know if you have that before me. Otherwise, hang on, let me see. Verse 28 and 29. Yeah, I got it. Romans chapter 2. You want to do 28 and 29? Oh, please. A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart. Notice that. Yeah, by the Spirit, ah. not by written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. There you go. For the true Jew is the one that, that's accepted the, the I've Messiah. I've never seen that before. That's, yeah, I, I, you understand? Yeah, that's really good. So, yeah. so those that are in opposition to, quote-unquote, mm -hmm. the true Jews, um, they are, uh, they're doing the work of the devil. They may not realize it. But even like, for example, when, when Peter said to Jesus, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to Peter, wow. flesh and blood have not shown you this, but my heavenly father has revealed it to you. Matthew chapter 16. Then the, he says, I have to go to the cross. I have to be betrayed. I have to be offered up. Peter says, don't do it. And then Jesus says, what to Peter? Get thou behind me, me Satan. Satan. Yeah. You understand? Yeah in opposition to the work of God. I, I just like it uh, where it says here, uh, such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Man, that's such an important message. Yeah. And, and even the, the seven churches that we're going to be, we've been discussing, we're on six, as you said, you know, he always mentions that, you know, what, what yeah, you got great programs, you're doing this and that, but right. your heart isn't aligned with, with my belief system and with, uh, with the word. And man, that's a hard one, man. That, that, that's a tough one. Yeah, it, it's yeah. you know you don't realize this stuff. Then, no. But he does say, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Remember, Satan is the father of all lies. Right. Indeed, I'll make them come and worship. Well, they're coming to them, but they're acknowledging their worship is of the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, and to know that I have loved you. So they're going to know ultimately that they're wrong and it's mm -hmm. false mm -hmm. and that this little group probably included quite a few jewish believers that are christian they'll know that i love you and you are you are the true jews as it were and then he's going to move on to verse 10 he says because you have kept my command to persevere now this is another um important uh admonition uh -huh. in the book of revelation is patience and perseverance 
patience and perseverance because we can give up too easy. You see, this is a oh, yeah. big problem. And that's why when Jesus gives the, the parable of the sower, some lands on top of the ground and the, you know, the birds come, which are mm -hmm. demonic. It just doesn't take root. But some start growing and then they're choked off by the cares and riches of the world. Others have no root. They never took, you know, and they just wither away. Well, this is like believers today that just won't. I mean, we're all susceptible to this, but they just don't get rooted and grounded, you know, in the word of God, in fellowship, in church, in some kind of daily prayer and, you know, doing those things that are please the Lord and avoiding those things that mm -hmm. grieve the Lord. And um, he, this idea of he says you persevere because why they're going into heavy duty headwinds here. They're going against culture. They're going against pagan worship. They're going against superstition. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe they're being attacked. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't know. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, they, and it sounds like even the uh, being on the fault line was not, you know, yeah. something that was uh, not what uh, was a real problem too. Can Natural disaster. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So, but you know, John, uh, whenever we have opposition with our faith and man, we do. You know, mm -hmm. you and I have seen it in some of the things we're involved with for sure. It's mm -hmm. just because the enemy doesn't want you to succeed. And that's really why the church is so important, isn't it, John? Mm -hmm. That's why, because we need each other. And we all have different gifts which benefit each other and help pull us through those challenging times. I mean, I, we, we really can't be on our own. Right. It's no good to be on your own, just like it was no good for a Roman soldier, you know, to leave the, the group. You know, there's, there's strength in numbers. Yeah. So this idea, um, you know, sometimes when people first read the book of Revelation, they go, whoa. Yeah. I mean, this talking about this, you know, synagogue of Satan right. and Pergamum. He says that's where the throne, uh, what does he say there? Verse 13 of chapter 2. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Mm -hmm. He says that in a previous church at Smyrna. He says, I know your works, tribulation and, pov and poverty, but I tell you, you're rich. Uh, there are those that say they're Jews, but they are the synagogue of Satan. So you see what I mean? What, what is this showing us? It's showing us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers and authorities in the yeah. spiritual realm, yeah. in heavenly places. Yeah. And I mean, that's just... That's a hard concept it, to a hard grasp, concept. man. But and I think Revelations, you know, a lot of people, we've said this before, have a hard time with Revelations. But you are seeing how the supernatural yeah, interacts right. with us. Right. And it is the truth. Uh, and you have to decide if the word is the truth, if it's the word of God, or if it's not. And if you believe it is, then it all ties together exactly. so perfectly. Yeah. You see that Jesus is the Son of God, not just a great prophet, and it all fits. The fact that you've got a Father who loved us so much from our initial sin that caused us to leave the Garden of Eden the whole time he's working to get us back. Exactly. And he never leaves us during that whole 2,000 years of the stories you see, mm -hmm. you know, all the way through. So, but in any case, it's, uh, I, I think it's, it's so exciting to read it and to see how victory is going to be had. Yeah, and, and I mean, what, really, what's interesting yeah. here is they had Especially natural... watching all what's going on today. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I mean like, if you consider yeah. this church in the first century right. in Asia Minor, I mean, look at this. They had what you call natural issues. You know, they were on a fault line of an earthquake. Mm -hmm. uh, they were subject to weather and floods and disease. Then they had this whole pagan worship and occultic worship and emperor worship going on around them. 
then they had perhaps false teachers coming into the church then overlaying all that is this whole spiritual thing you know that's operational mm -hmm. and that's why it will say what i think is a very interesting scripture that kind of gives a hint of this in ephesians chapter um three in ephesians chapter three um that god has established the church here mm -hmm. and if you look at Which verse verse? chapter three verse nine and ten okay um and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Ah, yeah. in the heavenly realms. That's the same language used in Ephesians 6 about the spirit realm. Mm. So that tells us that the church is on display but it's on display to angelic, demonic creatures. That's why to leave a church, yeah. knowingly leave a church, is like the prodigal that leaves it the protection of his father's home. Yeah. There's protection, there's provision, and he leaves it, and he's out on the street. Mm -hmm. And the, 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 mm -hmm. the, hopefully it's so hard on the street, it's going to drive him back mm -hmm. to the family. Same thing with believers today. To knowingly exit the church to excommunicate ex, ex out from community communicate excommunicate themselves is to put themselves in danger it's like the wolf sees oh the sheep that little sheep has left the the, the flock mm -hmm. is not mm -hmm. following the shepherd closely mm -hmm. let's go see what we can do and you know again we brought this up and and from my little perspective mm. i'm sitting here thinking to myself jesus talked he gave a special letter to the churches yeah. it wasn't the abud family right. over there on the west side or whatever it is it was the churches because as you said that's where you have your protective veil and you can you can meet other christians you know you you might not have a great leader all the time but in any case you need that protective veil exactly. find a good church Got to get do into it. a church Got especially now uh with you know it really will bring you peace and uh, and allow you to be with with fellow believers during these challenging times. Oh yeah, you know? much more so. Yeah, that's why it'll say in Hebrews, "Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together." So much more as you see that day approaching. So it's 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 a commandment. It's not optional. Yeah. All right, back to here in sure. uh, Philadelphia. He says, "Right, right." Um, verse ten: Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial. Wow. What shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth? Now, this suggests persecution is coming. Mm -hmm. Now, um, the, the world... Now, this then, is the scary part that people don't like hearing well, about, right? In that revelation? Well, no, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, so. you got to look at it like a couple ways. Yeah. Um, what did this letter mean to the church there at the first century? Well, they were undergoing persecution. Some of these emperors were crazy. They were wickedly crazy, like Nero and Domitian and these others. Um, it could also speak that the church throughout all the ages has been subject to persecution, to war, to famine. And it could also suggest that at the end of the age, there's this coming time of a final climactic time of persecution or tribulation. So my point being that wherever you are, whatever time period you are reading the book of Revelation, it has some type of application. That's why it'll, every letter ends with, 
He that hath an ear, spiritual ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So what is it saying to us? Well, it's talking about persevering, staying close to the Lord, uh, holding fast to his word, uh, taking advantage of opportunities when he opens doors for us. See, these yeah, things have applications things, today. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah. So what it is, you don't want to read too much into it, but you don't want to try to extrapolate too much out of it make it fit it just gives you warning uh that god is pleased he what pleases him is steadfastness and patience and humility and staying uh, on obedience to god's word what grieves him is drifting from him disobedience superstition idolatry you know john yeah and as you said i think that the church was was faithful faithful in the three areas they kept his word they did not deny his name, and they patiently endured, even with the opposition. But even if you're, you know, regardless of who you are, um, you know, male, female, you know, father, mother, grandparent, we're soldiers for Christ. Right. And that's the way he talks to you, uh, to all of us, you know. And, and when I finally got that piece, it really was exciting because I think, man, this is a general I, I, that I would love to. I, I'm so blessed that we're able to follow yeah, right. a leader like this, sure. where everything he says he means and he will follow through. There's nothing that changes with him. Exactly. Consistent all the way through. And, and just the gift he's giving them by saying, look, you're not going to be part of the hour of testing. Just stay strong. Mm -hmm. Man, yeah. that, that's incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, well, so, that's a way to get you motivated. <laughs> There's all kinds of incentive yeah. in here. Mm -hmm. Then he says uh, something very important. Notice he says in verse 11, Behold, I come quickly. Now, that, that that's very interesting because at the end of Book of Revelation, he also says that at the very end, he talks mm -hmm. about he's coming quickly. Well, what is quickly? Um, yeah, that's a good, that's the question um, I have. <laughs> he says this in chapter 22, verse 7. Behold, I come quickly. Yeah. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And then uh, he says again in verse 12 of the last chapter, mm -hmm. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my mm -hmm. reward is with me. Again in verse 20, Truly I am coming quickly. Now, that's important because quickly could mean suddenly. Now, it's been 2,000 years. Mm -hmm. We know the Lord's going to return physically, he says, in the clouds of heaven. But... The, one of the things we have to remember, we are not promised tomorrow. You know, the, the Bible clearly says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day might bring forth. We've known people, I've known people, you've known people, healthy people, all of a sudden went, boom, car accident, a heart aneurysm, a good friend of mine, very healthy guy, worked out all the time, mm -hmm. fell in a parking lot, and then uh, he didn't realize he was dizzy. He goes in for a checkup. You know, he goes to the emergency room. Doctor says you've had an aneurysm. We got to get. Two days later, he's gone. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Th that means you're going to quickly face the Lord. Okay. Nobody knows, yeah. but we should live in in a in a state of expectation. Let's say we want to live to be a yeah. hundred years old, <clears throat> and we make plans, and we save, and we, uh, you know, our children's education, and we're involved with our grandchildren, but we're also quite aware that this could be our last day. You see what I'm saying? It, it, I, I like the way you put it to me, John, when I asked you that question a, a while back. You said it just, it, it doesn't mean suddenly, it could be at any time. Right. But we, I think what what uh, stuck when we talked about this before 
was you said, you know, that we should always be ready for his return and live our lives in light of that. Yes. And so I like that definition better. (laughs) Well, Uh, that's... Just because, you know, it's... It helps me think through, you know, what I'm doing and why am I doing it. And keeps you yeah. uh, keeps you Centered. in short accounts. Right. In other words, you yeah. you always try to stay in good stead mm-hmm. with your relationship to, to the Lord. Like I say, three things could happen to me today. Yeah. Number one, I, uh, the Lord returns. I don't yeah. think there's anything preventing no. him that I know scripturally that he could not return today. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, uh, I could go to be with the Lord. Mm-hmm. In other words, I die, you know. Whatever, you know, yeah. something happens and yeah. I die. Um, the absent from the body is present with the Lord. Number three, I go to sleep tonight and I wake up tomorrow morning. Those three, those are the three things on the table. And yeah. if you're centered on Christ and you stay close to Christ, it, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but in a sense, you, you position yourself in such a way to be ready for that which was ultimate. It, it helps you prioritize yeah. things every day. Yeah. You know, because, um, you know, we talked about this in the previous church, how when you have distractions, you sometimes don't come back to your spiritual walk. Right. And so I I think we all need to remember this and the importance of Revelations. you got to read it, but you do have to read the Old Testament. You should read the whole Bible so that you do, like like you mentioned to me, you told me straight on, you know, you got to read the whole thing yeah, front right, to right. back, Dave, Singular before story. we get started. You're not going to get it all. And man, I sure don't have it all. But it was so important because then I could see how the Old Testament was being brought all the way through right. and how it connects and it makes that complete story. But but this this is so important because it helps you prioritize your life. Yeah. And just centers your That's life. All. It centers yeah. your life. And then... By that, I mean, you can live to be 100 or 110. Right. As long as you're close to the Lord, that's that's why Jesus said, if you mm-hmm. abide in me and my word abides in you, there you have it. You know, and he was kind of consoling and advising this little church here. Yeah. Okay, stay close to me. I, I, I like what you're doing. You don't have much faith. You don't have much strength, but you really, I've opened a door for you. And so stay there. I'm going to come quickly. Now, he does repeat that quite often, which is interesting. I have a question for you. So one of the key things, unless I have this wrong, is he wants us to live our life in a way that we're found faithful. Mm-hmm. Should he come back at, right. you know, while we're still on the planet? How do you define faithful? What does that mean? Faithful means that you, 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 are, you are staying in close relationship with Jesus Christ. You're doing what he wants you to do. Like what would I mean if a soldier was faithful in case the general appeared out of the blue, you know, just kind of did a spot inspection. Well, he, if he was on guard duty, he's on guard duty. If his rifle's supposed to be clean, his rifle's clean. If he's supposed to be reading a map, he's reading a map at that. If he works in the kitchen peeling potatoes, he's doing what he's supposed mm-hmm. to be doing. When the general comes, surprisingly so. So to be to be uh, faithful is mean to be doing those things that please the Lord, obeying what we know to do from His Word, and and avoid, really the Christian life could, if you want to boil it down to some, seek those things that please God and do them, and avoid those things that grieve God, and don't do those. So for the new believer, do you have some description? Of those things that please God. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you, I mean, well, just he, to give more yeah. color to it. Well, if you look at something like, uh, look at Colossians chapter three for a moment. Colossians chapter three. I think three. this is important. Yeah, he gets of, very practical here. Um, Colossians. Colossians, yeah. What he says here. Wait, and, what verse? 
Um, look at look at like verse. Um, all right, start with verse one. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. See that? So yeah. what's above? The will of God. What do, what do they do in heaven? They praise God. They mm -hmm. obey God. So they follow serve. the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, right? and also well, he's going to get more detailed. Okay. Uh, look at verse uh, five. Look at what he's saying. Five. Put to seven. death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature: sexual immortality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Again, part of the Ten Commandments, Commit, right? Keep, keep because going. Because yeah. of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do, Do not, not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. That's the, that put, in other words, that's very practical. He catalogs all these old behaviors we have. Then here's the positive. Look what he says in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see that? Real wow. practical. Yeah. This pleases the Lord. Yeah. You know, and if yeah. we don't do it, it grieves God. Man, I got work to do. Well, we all do. I mean, that's why it'll say in Ephesians, wow. be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. Don't grieve right. the Holy Spirit, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So much of the Old Testament, David, was, was external, you know, dietary, uh, uh, feast days. Um, they, they, you know, they, had, they couldn't work on the Sabbath, you know. Yeah. But much of this is internal, mm -hmm. you know. Don't hold a grudge and be forgiving and be kind. Mm -hmm. You know, and so he gives us a new prescription for living, new direction. Yeah. So, oh boy, does he? Um, okay, we'll go well, back. I'm to glad we discussed that. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll go back to Revelation mm -hmm. and uh, this Church of Philadelphia, where he'll say, um, verse 11, behold, behold, I'm coming quickly. He says, hold fast what you have, that no one take your crown. Now, this is kind of interesting because it's repeated, even in the old, in the, near the end of the book, where he says. I'm coming quickly, um, hold fast. In other words, if, if all of our life as a Christian, okay, um, Jesus says this in verse 12, last verse of the Bible, uh, last verse of the Revelation, uh, chapter 22, verse 12. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to the work. You see, he says, come, and then he says, he 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 wants us to lay up to to lay up good works in heaven, you know, reward. And don't let anybody take it from you. In other words, be recognize the fact that our daily lives, when we're being faithful to Jesus Christ, we're laying up rewards. Yeah. He says, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you will in no wise lose your reward. Jesus tells us to lay up treasure in heaven through good deeds, for sacrificial giving, through obedience through discipling others, all kinds of ways we can. But he's also saying, hold fast and don't lose it. Now, what does that mean? Well, we, you know, we're like one bad decision away from really messing things up, right? We see that in the business world. The guy has a great business going and all of a sudden, one day he decides to defraud or get involved in a scheme and 
all of a sudden he can destroy all that that he built up his reputation his wealth ever well so too we can lose reward because famous anointed ministries that God has blessed a person they messed up and they're going to lose a lot of their reward because they were unfaithful to their wife or they got involved in something they shouldn't have got involved with they can lose reward do you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. David the same way we can lay up reward we can lose reward. that's oh, why he yeah. says hold fast to that and it's a, it's a it's a beautiful thing to think that every day we can lay up if just praying for others could maybe be a type of reward. Yeah. Giving what we can give, discipling, sharing the uh, gospel. I, I find that by doing that, that by praying for others, it's it's helpful when you have a, a challenge for forgiving them. Mm. And so that, that changes your mindset, and I, I think it's helped me, and I'm trying to do a lot more of that. Mm -hmm. so, so maintain mm -hmm. that, that, right. that, that, he says, because... He wants you to, to get that reward, that right, crown. Right. Then he says, verse 12, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Now notice, he said earlier about this church, what? That it was very weak, right? Mm -hmm. They only had a little mm -hmm. strength. Now what does he say he's going to make them? A pillar. Yeah. In the temple. A pillar is the strongest part of these temple yeah. structures. A pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go out no more. And I will write my... Notice how personal it is here. I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God in New Jerusalem. This is like high incentive motivation here. Persevere, be an overcomer. You do this, I'll do this. I'll make you a pillar in the temple of my God. You shall go out no more. In other words, you'll be stability, permanency, dwelling. I will write on him the name of my God. Isn't that interesting? To write somebody's name on you is like ownership. Gosh. Wow. And the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. Look at all these benefits. No kidding. We don't fully understand. Can you imagine this, though? I mean, it's we unbelievable. Don't, we don't yeah. understand. No. All we know is it's, yeah, they're here, temporal, going through great difficulties. Here, there's great reward. There's great benefit. We're here for a short period of time. Persevere, be patient, be obedient. There's great reward mm -hmm. on the other side. Yeah. And so that's that's where we come down on this thing. And then, of course, he always ends the letters. This idea of being made a pillar in the temple, even now, if you look at First Peter, we're seeing some of this actually happening in our lives today. If you look at First um, Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Okay. First Peter chapter 2. Okay, verse the living four. stone and chosen uh -huh. people. Verse 4, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See, on the earth now, we're being like little stones. Yeah. We're, we're living stones being this is built again, into a spiritual yeah, house. Jesus yeah. is the foundation, but each one of us is built. That's why community is so mm -hmm. important. We we rest upon the labors of others, and then we alongside us, there's other people mm -hmm. we fellow. But as a result of us being faithful here, the next generation, our children and grandchildren, you see, we're being built up into this spirit. Here, Jesus is talking about something heavenly. We're not just going to be living stones. Mm -hmm. We're going to be pillars. In the temple of our Lord. You see that imagery oh, here? Yeah. Uh, great promise. 
uh, of course, Boy, is it to be that close to God, to actually be a pillar, it suggests everything about verse 12 in Revelation indicates close union or intimacy with God. I'll make you a pillar in the temple of my God. I will write on him the name of my God. The, look at three names. The name of my God, the name of the city of my God, and I will come down from heaven. I will write on him my new name. Three you know, it, when you think of the pillars, I, I know they even said in Philadelphia when the earthquake shook, the pillars of the temple stayed, even mm. if everything else, you know, fell around it. It, it just, I guess it gives me the feeling of, you know, you're not going to be shaken again. You are secure. Oh. You know, you will never have to flee again. You're safe. Uh, there's eternity in heaven for you. You don't have to fear anymore or run away from anything. Good point. Boy, isn't that an incredible yeah. thing to think about? Good wow. point. Yeah, because like you said earlier, this city in ancient times was subject to yeah. earthquakes, natural yeah. earthquakes. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then we end with this where he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now he ends all of the letters like this. Yeah. And this tells me, even though it's written to a church, a community of believers, mm -hmm. it's in the singular here. He says, he who has an ear. Well, this this ear is a spiritual, everybody's got ears, but this ear is a spiritual ear that you can discern and hear what is the Holy Spirit saying to the churches here that might have implication in my life today. You see, is anything convict me that's been said here? Is anything encourage me? Is anything illuminated me? Is there any practical advice for me? Well, yeah, perseverance and there's great reward and beware there's supernatural, you know, hostile mm -hmm. forces around us trying to influence us yeah. to sin. All of these kind of things are there if we have ears to hear them. Yes. If not, then why, why are we reading this book today? This book had meaning for them back 2,000 years ago. <clears throat> it's got meaning for us it today. It sure does. You know, and yeah. next week... We'll pick up on the final church, mm -hmm. which is this church at Laodicea, mm -hmm. um, which our Lord really doesn't have too much good to say about. But nevertheless, there's lessons that are in there that can, that can apply. Yeah. So we do appreciate everybody tuning in today. Uh, hopefully, as we go into the autumn season, uh, the dust is going to settle and we're going to, you know, head towards the end of this year and uh, things are going to start opening up. We'll... Uh, be able to continue the radio yeah, station and have right. the special guest on. We're very grateful for WNZN. Yes. Uh, point one. Yep. Uh, Eighty-nine point one on the radio, and uh, and your son yeah. Mike, who helps us with all the yeah. shows and yeah, help keep things <clears throat> rolling along. Absolutely. Okay, Dave. Thanks again, and yeah, God bless yeah. all of you for listening today. And uh, have a yeah. great weekend, everybody. Yeah. Take God care. Bless you. God bless. Stay safe.